Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Oh, I had it muted. Hey! Perfect! Welcome back, adventurers! (laughs) This is the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, and uh, this is your host, Tom, or Robots. I uh, I was accidentally... My, my my big old fat fingers hit the like F11 key or whatever it was. And all of a sudden my um, my browser went boonk real big on the screen. And I was like, ah, and I hit them some buttons. And then I forgot to unmute myself during the intro. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is the perfect operation. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And uh, with me is Lotus of Doom, the other voice you have here. And Lotus, That's how's true. it going, buddy? <laughs> How are I'm you? good. I'm mute free right now. So all's <laughs> going well. <laughs> um, I think we might be sabotaged by some... Uh, some daedric forces because uh we're we're this is our second episode back talking about the daedric princes i hope you guys tuned into the last episode about azura and i don't maybe we didn't pay her enough love and respect maybe she's she feels scorned she feels scorned and and speaking of daedric princes that are out for uh plots and, and vengeance vengeance and, <laughs> and destruction and all sorts of wonderful terrible things today's episode is about boethia and um just a reminder if you might be going hey why are they talking about daedric princes again wasn't this something that tom covered like three years ago well real quick recap we're diving back in and we're going deeper because this was something i covered by myself at the beginning of this show a long time ago and now i've got Lotus here with me, and we're going to get even deeper into these characters. So, this episode is about Boethia, sometimes spelled with an H at the end, sometimes not. And he, she, it is the Prince of Plots, the Dark Warrior, the Deceiver of Nations, the Queen of Shadows, the Goddess of Destruction, Hunger, which is a really cool title, (laughs) Font of Inspiration, he who destroys and she who erases called Boethra by the Khajiit, which the Khajiit have the best titles, I think, for all. The, yeah, all the Khajiit have really cool names for a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Like, and they're all they related really to do. cats. Um, the Daedric Prince who rules over deceit, conspiracy, secret plots of murder, assassination, treason and unlawful overthrow of authority. Boethia is not somebody that you want to piss off. That is correct. You, you don't you don't you don't mess too much with uh, Boethia and or Boethia's cultists. They tend to be a little on the extreme side when it comes down to things, including outdoing each other with how extreme they can be at points. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, in fact, the next line and oftentimes like this first section is pulled directly from the UESP and we get a lot of inspiration from the UESP. But in these later episodes in the lore cast, we often dig deeper into the original text. But I'm going to pull 
this specific line because it is the next line after this introduction that gives us all the titles. It says, this sphere is destructive in nature and Boethia's destructiveness uh, comes from the inspiring of arms of mortal warriors. <laughs> so Boethia's big thing is about, uh, we, we talked about this with Azura, the whole inspiration for her was inspiring love, getting mortals to love her. Boethia is about getting moral mortals to war. <laughs> yeah. It's all about it's all about that violence with Boethia. All about that violence. And man, this this is where we're going with this. So um I know Lotus, I know you have a favorite book about Boethia. Maybe we should start yeah. with yours today. Because we, you, we did, okay. Do you we want did to? you sure? We did you last last time. Um I think we should we should kick it off. Okay. So I feel like that uh, this is, I, I mean, it's more of uh, just conveniently, I have two books that I, I thought really did a great job of <clears throat> describing um, the Daedric Prince that we're dealing with more so than, I, I mean, I, I will give a shot to trying to get all of the Daedric Princes we cover, a, a book that I think really nails it with them, but I'm not really entirely sums sure it up. a couple of them. Yeah. Um, but specifically when it comes to Boethia, there is a book that I think really <clears throat> kind of encompasses just how brutal Boethia is. And it's called Boethia's Proving. Um, it now, is these, are, not, these are in-game books. Yes, yes. This is an in-game book that you can pick up. Um, so Boethia's Proving is... A, a tale and I, I don't know, an anecdote, whatever you want to call it, of a couple of her followers, which was kind of why I referenced how brutal it is, even amongst her followers. Um, this one actually isn't all that long. Do you want me to just run through this quick to get to the end point? I don't know. Well, here, um, um, can I read it? Because this is fun. Yeah. yeah. Would you? Yeah, I was okay. going to say, like, yeah. uh, this, I'll, I I'll give it a reading like and then you stop me if you feel like you want to comment on anything. Perfect. How about yes. that? I love it. So, uh, so this is Boethia's Proving by Anonymous, an account of a fatal summoning of a Boethia. This first showed up in Skyrim and it also can be found in the Elder Scrolls Online. As many of these books, they show up in one game and then they're usually carried over to the later games that come out later. Yes. Um, the following is a true account. <laughs> May it serve as a warning to those with ears to hear and hearts to know. And I believe I actually did quote some of this in the original version of this the Boethia episode. But we're going to we're going to go into detail here because so hold on to your butts. On a certain day, at a certain time, the faithful gathered to perform certain rituals, hoping to gain a glimpse of their master. The day was correct. The summoning true. Slashing a smoking tear through the veil, she, her very self, appeared before them, terrible and resplendent. She came arrayed in ebony darker than a moonless night, wielding a blade burning hotter than the surface of the sun. And though she wore the guise of a Dunmer warrior queen, she towered above them like a statue carved from the Red Mountain itself. Now, I'm going to pause here. Anybody who has played certain parts of Elder Scrolls Online where you've gotten to experience um, the Daedric Princes in, uh, I think, as close to their own representations as they get, will often see them as towering above you. 
Like there are moments yep. where like there are moments in some of the games where you meet like Sheogorath and he's the same size as you and things like that. But there are moments in Elder Scrolls Online where you meet, say, the Daedra and they're arguing together and they are the size of like a freaking four story houses. <laughs> they're gigantic. And this is that kind of representation here. Yeah. Also, I just realized how this is written. I think we really need to do something specific with this because it reminds me of <laughs> a request that we were originally given about dramatic readings. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to. OK, so read all of the parts. I am just going to be the follower section. OK, <laughs> they just have little snippets and we're going to do a dramatic reading of Barethia's proving here. <laughs> OK, so should I? Oh, here, I'll do the I'll do the. Echo yeah, too. yeah I, I'll I do the just, echo. I'm just going to be the cultists. Um, so she says, why have you disturbed me? Surprise, the first among them prayed. Oh, Boethia, prince of plots, deceiver of nations, queen of shadows, goddess of destruction, we come to worship thee. She looked down upon her followers, gathered to bear witness. Frowning, she asked the first, tell me, you who profess to know me, how shall I know you? A feared he exclaimed each night i pray to thee each night i call out thy wondrous name surely you must recognize the sound of my voice by most devoted of believers she frowned and let out a long sigh and then a, uh, all of a sudden and then of a sudden which is odd he is a weird way of putting that, he yeah. was gone the air from her lungs dispersed him turning to the second she asked and you? How shall I measure your the, the worth of your existence? Sorry, we didn't practice this. <laughs> Stunned by the power of her voice, he bowed before her darkening visage. She clapped her hands, and he too was gone. To the third. <laughs> just poof, gone. To the third. And you, tell me, how shall I know you apart from such as were they, of whom there is no trace? Shaken and speechless from the nullifications of his brethren, he whispered, Have mercy on us. <laughs> she blinked twice. Once he was in agony. Twice he was destroyed. <laughs> Boom, God. She cast a withering glance across those remaining and, and said, I do not grant mercy. And so it was with the others. She putting them to proof they offering none. Finally, she came to me, eyes aglow with anger, tongue wet with hate, and said, Of all my believers but two remain, tell me second to last, with what shall you prove your existence? Without hesitation, I drew forth my blade and buried it in the chest of the other who stood beside me, and without fear replied, Ask him whose blood now spurts from my blade if I exist. She smiled and the gates of oblivion opened between her teeth. And then she said, Tell me, now last of my followers, wherefore do you remain where the others do not? I retrieved my blade and offered it up, saying, I am alive because that one is dead. I exist because I have the will to do so, and I shall remain as long as there are signs of my handiwork, such as the blood dripping from this blade. Ex oh, <laughs> Accepting <you>. my gift, <laughs> she nodded and said, Indeed, 
Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at, at the bottom so, it says, um, if in the reading your blood boils in your veins and your mind blazons with fire, then Boethia calls you Boethia. I think I said enough there. It is then most wise to heed her call. Find her on the mount which overlooks Windhelm. Meet us there and be tested. <laughs> and that also will kick off the Boethia's Proving Quest line where you can get her Daedric artifact from Skyrim as well if you get that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that encompasses kind of the brutality of Boethia because even amongst her own followers to gain her favor one of the followers murders another follower (laughs) and the ones who she doesn't care about praise or any of that Mm -hmm. because them trying to butter her up didn't work them begging for mercy didn't work literally the go-to for for that solution was okay cool i'm gonna just shank this guy and make a name for myself it's like wow that's dark (laughs) yeah it's it's this it's the case of doing what she would do right or he or it like in order exactly in order to be a follower of boethia you have to do what boethia would do and what boethia would do would hesitate would have no hesitation to simply murder someone else to take their place and prove that they are the one that deserves to be there exactly it's it's all about earning your spot not about trying to sweet talk your way into it which is right which is i feel like a lot of how screwed up some of these daedric princes tend to be people kind of follow them like oh you know tangentially oh i there's this one concept that like oh okay i'll pray to them but when it really comes down to it sometimes it's just like when push comes to shove, a lot of the followers seem a little hesitant. We're like, all right, let's not get too into this. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's not going to cut it when it comes to Boethia. It's all about that brutality and efficiency. Right, right. Yeah. She doesn't care about what you think or what you say. It's yeah, all about just do it. Can like, you do can you do this? Can you respond um, with a warlike attitude? You know, are, exactly. Are you willing to destroy? Are you willing to deceive? Are you willing to murder? And either you do or you don't right and if you don't well then you will be murdered it's almost like a survival of the fittest kind of thing in a, in mm-hmm. a sense um so boethia is also one of the and this is we talked about this last week one of the good daedric Do- princes doesn't boethia sound great doesn't she sound great yeah to the dunmer um this is she's one of the uh one of the, <laughs> the ones that um you know brought them to the land that they were promised and there's this whole story about the uh the chimer and the you know getting to the (laughs) you know bringing them out from the uh somerset to the land that they were supposed to go to and all of that stuff we're not going to get into all the details on that again it's one of those things that we could go on about forever but the big point here is the story with trinimac and the deception of Trinimac and that that specific story. And we have a, uh, a quick little little rundown about that specifically. The thing about that is we want to talk about complete disregard for any type of honor. Like that is the most disrespectful way of literally in this case shitting on your opponent i mean there's nothing really more like you can say it's it's just complete 
domination of like, okay, look how little reverence I have for anything about this. And, you know, that's, that's really going to sow some serious discourse amongst all of the followers of Trinimac, who was really kind of considered in rather high regard and is now sort of just a joke throughout the lore of the series because of, of Boethius treatment. Right. Right. So here it is. Here it is. So um, yeah, Trinimac was worshiped among the Aldmer and um, Boethia decided that she was going to try to convince some of the Aldmer that their perspective on immortality was was wrong, that they were not worthy of their immortality, that their mortal existence was a trial that they had to endure. And in order to do that, she started preaching to them that Trinimac was wrong, and she started to take some of them onto her side in their perspective. And Trinimac stood up against her, tried to stop her, and Boethia tricked Trinimac and convinced Trinimac, and I don't know how you do this, but the story goes that she convinced him to go into her mouth now, how that works, and maybe this is a metaphorical thing, who knows, but Trinimac does this, which, of course, gives Boethia the ability to take on Trinimac's appearance and to speak with Trinimac's voice. This sounds very uh, Kirkbrideian, if you ask me. Very. I, I have a feeling this was a Kirkbrideian story. And... So she then uses this to convince the group of Myrrh to take on this new name, the Chimer, and of course changes them. This leads into all of that whole story and eventually poops out Trinimac, changing Trinimac in the process into Malakath. And this is a story that is debated highly among the orcs, the Orsimer, because they are associated with Malakath and they don't want to... You know, people to think that they worship a god that was tricked and defecated out by another god. Yeah, so. exactly. It's it's not really there's no way to phrase that in a way that makes it sound very good for your culture. Mm-hmm. So the debate there definitely makes sense that they're not just like, OK, yeah, we're just the leftover. It's like, oh, right, that's right. not that's not really a selling point. If you're trying to talk about good things with your culture and race and stuff like that, it's like, OK, this this definitely is much more of a other tale being told and accepted or not than than something they're throwing out there for people. Right, right. There is. a Yeah. And Rob, the princess points out there's he says, I'm pretty sure they fight. Mafala cuts him from behind and Boethia consumes him. That is another version of the story. So there's actually like like many of these things, there's multiple versions. So right. Boethia would have us believe that she tricked him. Mafala would say, well, no, there was conflict. I cut him from behind and she got the best. She of got him, the best of a very him. different scenario. It's a different scenario. Uh, Malakath says, no, it didn't. It never even happened. It didn't even happen right. like it's that. It's like exactly it's like no i who do you even believe right like Like, which exactly which story is which and then of course all of these stories are being told by followers of each of these groups so who's even to be believed right so all of these stories get passed down and these stories come from the marithic era which is an era that existed way before any of this history was really written down it's all been told by word of mouth and who even knows how long the marithic era even lasted and who was around to even tell these stories. So all of this stuff is all kind of hearsay when when you actually 
put it in the context of the actual lore. So, yeah, um, it's, but it's even more of a gray, maybe than the rest of the series, which has unreliable narrators. When you're dealing with the Marithic area, things are even less in stone. Right, right. So, but like, let's, let's take this into consideration. Who is Boethia? She has to do with, uh, plotting, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, treason, assassination, murder, overthrow of authority. It would make sense that her version of the story has all of those things to do with how she bested Trinimac because that's her version of herself. She wants people and her followers to know that she plotted against Trinimac, that she overthrew him, that she was deceitful, that she was treasonous, you know, like that she murdered him. Yeah, by, literally, by consuming him trying to she she's got one story that encompasses all of everything he did like exactly. that's that's pretty sweet when they can just like tackle okay so here are the things i i generally stand for mm-hmm. and i got all of them played against this one iliad god Babu. right like <laughs> yep. yeah yeah and this this was specifically against you know this god of the myrrh and i did all of these things and so therefore i should be worshipped above this right. this god um and you know, so worship me and follow in what I do and do all of these things because that brings me more worship and brings me more power. So, mm-hmm. you know, it totally makes sense. Um, so that, I think that is another way of encapsulating this, the essence of who this Daedric Prince is. Like, you don't have to look too much beyond the story that we read and this story about her representation of herself in reference to Trinimac in order to understand, you know, what what she at least wants to be perceived as right and and when it comes to boethia it's almost in and of itself of it's all about the actions not the words type of thing it's really easy when it's very very concrete with their sphere of influence or whatever when it's all about actions because you can point to direct things where that's the action so there's less nebulous oh well she's did she do this or did she and it's just like here's a story of her trying to portray here's another story of them trying to portray here's yeah it's just like okay it, very straightforward all the time the main bullet points that boethia is trying to do are in the story like there's no like yes there's a little of did it or did it not happen type of thing but the objective is very very straightforward of like yep Boethia wants you to believe that this is the scenario and it basically just hits all of them at once. Yeah, right, right. So that gives you a real good sense of who she is and and what she stands for. Um, But tell you what, now's a good time to take a break for the middle of the show and we'll be back. We're going to talk about some of her artifacts. We're talking about uh, her realm a little bit and we'll get into some other uh, little known details. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and everyone a sign. All right. This is the part where we get to thank our patrons, including our newest patron, Coriander P. Thank you for signing up on the Patreon. And thank you to our tier five patrons, Mr. Gami Boy and Noodle Al Dente. And all uh, 78 of our Patreon members. You guys are awesome. Thank you for supporting the show and being a part of this. Um, if, if we've done anything to help you get through your work day, your work week, your workout, or checking out all the news out there about 
the crazy video games that are coming and it's it happens to be mario day today there was a big sony thing that that was announced for japanese games coming there's a big drop on xbox game pass we're getting like guardians of the galaxy there's a bunch of new games out this month that have been awesome like elden ring so many games out there and if you've been listening to our podcast while tuning into all the game news then go to patreon.com slash mass effect no no i'm sorry that not that's that's not this show patreon.com slash <laughs> elder scrolls Lorecast, where you can check out all the different tiers i do too many podcasts that's guys a good show too so <laughs> you can support that show if you want um i do too many podcasts uh, yeah, i like you guys over at mass effect Lorecast. It's great <laughs> oh man um but yeah thank you to all of our patrons you guys are the best and also we've got a brand new review on apple podcasts this one is from neon relic in the u.s who writes just be the lore masters already we're not the lore masters we, we try hard but we're you yeah, know i got i got we're not there yet Lumen Tuttle. <laughs> yeah we we're not there yet we're, we're still working on it but uh, we appreciate the sentiment um and neon writes hey guys love the show and the and i think this is a typo and the do you guys have uh, I think that word is supposed to be charm yes I'm gonna go with that and the charm wow. you guys have I don't believe I've ever <laughs> been alright hey uh, <laughs> always enjoy listening and hearing your takes on the lore thank you Neon Relic uh, for such a glad nice you enjoy compliment on how charming we are and how <laughs> I always say the right words at the right time because I'm not juggling like 50 podcasts at the same time yeah no no <laughs> this is everything we do is very 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 professional very polished very very yes. polished um, but thank you to everybody who takes the time to leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts uh if you do leave some words and a five-star review i'll read it out on a future episode of the show and you can leave us a rating on spotify and uh that is both of those are very very helpful and we really do appreciate it um that's what we got for the middle of the show so let's get back to the rest of the episode here we go yes yes you're entirely brilliant conquering madness and all that blah 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 Maybe I should purposely mistake uh, which Patreon it is in order to accidentally advertise other shows. Um, Some deep show. cross branding. There you go. That's it. Just in case you didn't know, you could support that other show too. Oops. Did I mention Oops. the Mass Effect Lorecast? Oh, I do other shows. Forgot to mention that. So, um, <laughs> totally shit, says Ben in chat. Um, <laughs> Man, so Boethius is one of those Daedric Princes that has, like, a lot of different magical, like, special items, artifacts. Um, do you have a favorite? So, um, sort of. I, I had mentioned to you beforehand that it's, like, she's not super, super one of my favorites. However, I think she's, uh, like, great addition to the series personally like the ebony mail a lot of people i, I i'm well, we'll get into these each you know in a second but just i i like the ebony mail i think it's cool but i never really found it overly practical especially if i was farther along in the game mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. because it's just the effect looked really neat but yeah. i never really had a lot of use for it yeah the ebony, um, ebony mail is basically a suit of armor right and yes. it grants the wearer resistance to fire and magical effects protection yep. from physical blows and stuff it's just it's like super armor basically. it's basically super fancy ebony armor yeah like uh, you know um but really i think gold brand is a really cool weapon 
I think that's um, probably it's either Ebony, the Ebony Mail or Goldbaron are probably the two most well known. They they are, and the reason I will just kind of mention uh, Goldbrand specifically, which is weird, I guess, in the grand scheme of things when you when you're relating to different Elder Scrolls games. I loved the use of Goldbrand, the card in Elder Scrolls Legends. They oh. got me out of several binds because it was a really good card for for the way I built my deck in Elder Scrolls Legends. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, it just as a quick synopsis, what it would do is you were allowed to play it once per turn and it had a set amount of uses. And once you used it, it would do two damage. Then the next turn, it would do four damage. Then the next turn, it would do six damage. Oh. So it increased what it did to your opponent that you were attacking each time it was used until it, it wore itself out. I just thought that was like a really cool use of that, that card. And it's kind of why I think fondly on Goldbrand because literally doing the story, it actually bailed me out specifically on a couple things because I'm not very good at CCGs. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm doomed. And I Goldbranded my way out of it. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. And with a lot of these things, they do different things in different games. And in the card game, it, of course, it has a different kind of ability too. Sure. So, yeah. They, yeah. They, they have to tailor them based right. on the game use. Right. So in so Ebony Mail uh, in Skyrim also uh, not only protects you from stuff, but it also gives you quieter movements and the ability to poison enemies who get too close. Yeah. So that's the effect I was referring to that's very cool. Like mm-hmm. you get this weird greenish black mist that comes out of you um, when you're crouched. I think it's just when you're crouched. Well, whatever. It comes out of you when you're wearing the stuff. I think you need to crouch to activate it. It's like you're just constantly emitting gas. Yeah, you're just extra stinky. Um, (laughs) You're Malakath. No, all right. (laughs) So, yeah, you just get like, you know, you get, you get, but it's a really neat effect. And uh, it's kind of funny because Rob the Princess mentions in chat, it is weird because it makes you stealthier, but ebony male is heavy armor. Yeah. So, it's kind of at odds with itself, even though you can obviously muffle the hell out of yourself in, in game, even if you're wearing heavy armor, but it's just, it's funny that the heaviest type of armor also gives you a self bonus. Right. Right. Yeah. And then Goldbrand, uh, for anybody who doesn't know is an artifact created by the dragons of the North. Yes. Which sounds crazy. It looks like a golden katana. Yes. And, um, according to legend, it's bestowed uh, upon the Nordic warrior Sivder. And it's the uh, ancestor to the modern batter, Battleborn clan. Um, so uh, I'm just uh, checking the double, double checking the notes here. It burns. It, so maybe that's where it gets the, in the Legends card game, this idea that it does more damage. Yeah, the burn effect, because over it does time. release a burn effect when you use the card as well. Okay. Yeah. So. I guess that kind that kind of matches up a little bit, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, oh, before before we go too deep, I have this. I, I mentioned to the you to I mentioned this to you at the beginning of the show. I've got this interesting kind of idea about Azura and Boethia, but I'm going to save it to the end of the show. So don't go oh, anywhere. Oh yes, you had mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've got so many things in my head. That's part of why I'm stumbling over stuff. But um, the other the other things to note here is uh, Fearstruck is a Daedric artifact created by Boethia. It takes the form of a shield. And I know you like to play tank. Yes. You ever use Fearstruck? I haven't. It's kind of a neat looking shield cosmetically, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not one that I've ever grabbed. Yeah, it has Boethia's symbol on the front, the the fist right. with the snake entwined yes. around the fist. And um, it belonged to 
Lyricius, a hero from Tamriel, famous for leading his army against the Akaviri slave traders in their homeland of Akavir. The shield, shield was utterly destroyed in the first era by the fiery breath of a worm known, or I'm sorry, who Lyricius encountered after his army was routed. And this is uh, an item in ESO. Yep. And then there's the uh, duplicate duplish dupl i'm gonna mess up these words duplicy gladio is a two-handed sword associated with boethia after it was recovered from morrowind by the imperial legion during the fourscore war it became infamous as betrayal tended to follow its path imagine that betrayal boethia <laughs> the artifact has the ability to create copies of both itself and the bearer Although these duplicates may obey the the wielder, they have a will of their own, and their true fealty is to the prince of plots. So uh, weird. Probably don't use it. Yeah, that one. That one's a little strange. Um, there's also not. I, I'm guessing this is. Uh, I, I noticed this one doesn't have a picture related to it, so I'm guessing it's actually never appeared in game. Yeah, it's some of the stuff um, actually goes back really far in the lore and, and we're going to note some of this stuff a little bit later as we get into yeah, some of the trivia details boethia's uh I, I guess stepping out of game for a second like get like keeping it in game stepping slightly back out of game and into just like the the technical stuff um boethia has actually been around one of the longest before daedric princes i believe were yeah. even kind of like ironed out yeah. um yeah yeah well, the, the and, so um yeah yeah and we like can, we can drop that knowledge yeah we can drop that drop that knowledge bomb uh boethia was first described as a dark elven goddess in arena wasn't yes. even a uh daedric prince right um and this was in dialogue related to the ebony male artifact which was also in arena yes and i believe so, Goldbrand was as well if i'm not mistaken so that makes boethia actually the first stage of prince to be mentioned right, was, by like, name written. yeah <laughs> right yeah. so pretty crazy pretty crazy which, stuff without you know without turning this into uh hermaeus mora based thing just saying <laughs> The Augment Finium was also an arena, so well, although her, old Hermie didn't exist yet. <laughs> it was just the Augment Finium with no explanation. <laughs> but yeah, there was very little, uh, you know, prior prior to Daggerfall, they hadn't really ironed out all this stuff with the lore as arena is much more of a structural bones of the series that then got fleshed way, way out with Daggerfall and Onward. Yeah. So, of course... A lot of these Daedric princes have their own realms. Some of them are better known than others. Boethia's uh, realm, simply known as the realms of Boethia, are, of course, her planes of oblivion. And um, the two that we know most about are Attribution's Share or Snake Mount, which seem to be the same place. Yeah. And... They seem to have the same name. And this is weird because sometimes you get places that are like have the same name and are they the same place or are they just two locations that are part of the same realm, but different locations in the same right. realm? Like, are they different places in the realm? Are they two different realms? Like with, with and this is one of those things that sometimes I'm not a hundred percent sure about because of the way they're represented in different games or in something like elder scrolls online where you can go to like oh we have a quest where we're getting summoned to some oblivion plane and now we're in 
attributions share in an oblivion plane somewhere like right like is this the same it's you know in it's associated with boethia like does that mean it's on the same plane of oblivion or is it like sure. are these islands or, or, floating in the, like where is it in relation to something or, else? you never really you know, know is it one of these pocket realms like right. you know where the battle spire is or far grave or something like it, are these these other offshoot things or connecting realms it's it's all very metaphysical yeah, and i think weird. these are the same um i i think so too i'm i'm inclined to agree with you i, th I think it's the same unless somebody has a concrete way to show it's like oh no no they don't mean for it to be like this is different but right. I, I, I would agree with you i think it's the same i think they just have two names for the same place and in this case um it's a labyrinthine um place of uh maze gardens and twisted towers and those kinds of places uh of course it looks stormy it looks a lot like some of these other places we've seen in oblivion where everything looks like it's on fire and there's lava mm -hmm. and you know it's very like, hellscape and uh boethia likes to host these tournaments where m mortals can earn her favor by guess what murdering each other sweet sweet murder surprise surprise right and of course the victor earns the title the chosen one and gets uh, prizes like Goldbrand for for doing so. so. Um, as a tie-in to ESO real quickly as well, when you go to the Dragon Star Arena, um, it's actually a, a Boethia-inspired uh, arena, which is just basically you chewing through waves of enemies and murdering them and stuff like that. And um, actually, if you can complete it on veteran difficulty, you get the title Boethia's Scythe. So mm. another another tournament related bit for her. Nice. Well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, Rob, the princess asks, is the Dragon Star Arena in Oblivion? Um, so it's weird. Um, I actually did. So the Dragon Star Arena, it seems like it's kind of like a cross from my understanding. This is, this is, uh, might want to fact check this a little bit because I don't want to give misinformation. Well, here, um, if I, I'm just pulling up the UESP article right yeah, now, and it says it's an interplanar arena. So it might okay, be somewhere that's so like. Is, so the arena itself is in the town of Dragon Star, which is in the Craglorn region. Um, but then while you're in, like, as you progress through for anybody who's done Dragon Star Arena on any difficulty, because it's the same, it's just harder if you go from on a, a harder difficulty. Um, the idea is you kind of start in a, in a much more grounded in reality arena and it transforms as you go farther and farther through because you're going through these portal things. And then it, it gets much more bizarre toward the end where the final area actually where you fight the ebony warrior, which is like her temporary champion in that place. Um, just straight up seems like it's part of her realm. Like it's lava. You're fighting on these like rock platforms in it while mages get summoned around the arena and stuff like that. But you're going through crypts and like the portals seem like they phase you around much like in battle spire, you kind of phase around the arena, like the different areas, even though you start in the battle spire. So I think, from my understanding, and again, feel free to correct us if, if you have any deeper insight beyond that. Um, but it's like, even though the arena is physically based in Dragonstar, 
you shift around while in the tournament mm-hmm. outside. It's like it takes just, you. It takes you out from where you originally started to. Yes, these that's, other that's kind of what I've always gathered as as you go through the the levels, waves, whatever of of the Dragon Star Arena. Right. So there's a few more things I want to get to real quick. Uh, one of the reasons why the word hunger is associated with Boethia is because there are Daedra specifically known as hungers that are mostly associated with her. They can be found in Sheogorath's realm as well. But these things are super freaky looking. Yeah, they're real freaky. They're real freaky. Hunched they're over. They're freaky in Morrowind. They're horrifically freaky in Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, I mean, kind of alien-esque looking, uh, hunched over, long fingers. Um, yeah, very spindly appendages, a long snout that has like a, a kind of like an anteater tongue thing that pops out. Yeah. Um, almost, they vomit on you a lot. Almost uh, insect-like, Yeah. Demonic yeah, it, insects, like alien insect-like kind of creatures, yeah. and um, yeah, they they spit bile. They uh, they can destroy your armor and weapons, according to the lore. Um, and they and they're mostly associated with Boethia. The, these are there's lots of different kinds of Daedra, but these ones are particularly associated with Boethia and are particularly nasty. <laughs> I mean, they're mm-hmm. just they're just unique and gross and weird um and i don't know i don't know what else to say about them but i definitely wanted to bring them up uh the other thing that i wanted to mention is that uh let's see there's some little trivia bits here before i go into my azura boethia bit um boethia is traditionally summoned so there some of these danger have traditional summon days right on the second of sun's dusk on the gauntlet holiday and um She's, uh, let's see, Sothasil met with Boethia on the third of Rain's Hand in the first era, 2920. And, of course, the Tribunal, Boethia, all of that stuff's connected. We're definitely going to do a whole series of episodes out about those in the future. Um, this is interesting. We talked about Azura being primarily portrayed as feminine. Boethia is portrayed as female in Arena, Daggerfall, and Skyrim, and as male in Morrowind and Oblivion. Mm-hmm. So Boethia doesn't just take one gender portrayal. Kind of goes back yeah, and forth. As, as we had mentioned, trying to assign like gender to Daedra Princess is weird. Like it just it kind of doesn't work. Um, and some utilize different forms more frequently than others. And Boethia is definitely one of them where it's just like, it's basically just game dependent. What, what you're going to get uh, as like some type of visage to see with uh, Boethia. Yeah. And I, I like to call it the voice actors here. So in Skyrim, Boethia is voiced by uh, Jean Gilpin, who okay. also voices Elenwen and Meridia. Oh. And um, also Meredith in Dragon Age 2. So if you're a Dragon <laughs> right. Age fan, then you might recognize that voice. So, okay. So go with me here. I'm going to take All you right. on a little journey. I'm ready for this. Take yeah. a, this, is, this is a little Tomism. This is a, uh, we're going to go on a little journey, okay? This is not a canon thing. This might be crazy. But just just go with me here. All right, I'm listening. I'm all ears. We already have a connection here between Azura and Boethia as being the anticipations of the tribunal. And of course, they take their power back. 
there's a connection. Azura wants people to love her, but we know when that love is not given back or when she's put on the spot, she gets really angry and she's spiteful. Just like a, a lover who's spurned. Right? Okay. 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 What does a lover do when a lover is spurned? When like when your love is not returned, when you when your heart is broken. Okay. And you so become you the, really vengeful and hate filled. All right. Right. When you become really, really, really okay. hurt. Okay. The flip side of that is feeling like you need to take vengeance on something. You become deceitful, treasonous, murderous. Okay. Okay. You see where I'm going? Like Boethia is a spurned Azura. So they're, you're, you're saying that it's almost like a, a, a coin flip. You're one side's Azura, one right. side's Boethia type of deal. Okay. Right. All right. Like, and I, I, I know that you could probably say this for many of these aspects. Like you take one and you turn it on its head and it turns into the other. Like, I get that. Like you could probably say that for many of these, but it was just like, there's a connection there. Like Boethia is cold and impersonal and cruel. Azura is connected and loving and committed and affectionate. Like there's like in yeah, so many ways, they're almost complete, complete yeah, opposite. It's interesting that they're literally like polar like opposites. Polar to each opposites. Other. Actually, I, 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 Rob the Princess just right, mentioned what right. I was about to say in chat. Yep. The, like yep. Shiagorath and Jigalag. Exactly. Like, and, and that's where my mind went too. Shiagorath and Jigalag are polar opposites chaos and order. You have extreme order and extreme chaos. There's no balance between the two. Azura is extreme longing and love and connection and always wanting to be together. And Boethia is the antithesis of that. Yeah, it's literal antithesis of that in every completely, possible way. Right. Like, it's, it's chaos is like yeah, completely removed, yeah. just wants, wants destruction, just wants you know, deceitfulness, plotting, murder, it, it love and hate. But it's not even hate as in like, it's it's uh apathy it's love and apathy is what it is it's interesting because that's, a, that's an interesting you have to care to hate kind of right like you have to care enough to hate something it's love and apathy is what it is so azura is love boethia is apathy it's like i don't i don't even care about you just die yeah <laughs> right interesting so what if they're actually two sides of the same coin and when Azura shows up, she's love, but then she goes away. And then when she comes back and she's like, maybe she's bipolar, right? And she comes back. And when she's in, yeah, in, like, in other mode, she comes back as Boethia. Interesting. That's, that's a, that's an interesting take. Like I, I that's a, that's a connection I, I had not ever heard or, or really would have made myself, but especially like when you were explaining that, it's like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. This, uh, the same way that Chiagoras right. Jigalag situation, but they both have the same goals for the Dunmer. They both have the same right. long-term goals. Sure. They just have different means of getting there because they're, you know, they're in one mode or the other. Yeah. Interesting. 
I don't know if that's actually it's not that true. it's not that there's a lack of passion. Okay, so Rob, uh, Rob says I think there is a lot of passion behind Buitha and her teachings. That's that's where I disagree. It's not that she doesn't have passion for the things she's doing. She doesn't have passion for you. Yeah, that's it, the difference. Yeah, she doesn't care about you. Azura it, it, cares about you and getting love from you a lot. You. Like Azura Boethia does. doesn't at all. She's like, yeah. you, you don't, it, she doesn't care if you exist at all. Yeah. You could just die. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> right. yeah, it's almost, it's almost like undirected, just anger type of thing. And just like, cause, cause right. again, when, when your goal is to cause war, they're passionate for their own goals. Yes. Right. If, right. if your end goal is to promote war, <laughs> you really don't, you're, you're not aiming to have like, oh, well, if this side wins, we'll be at peace. That's not the objective. If your objective is to cause war, you want both sides just constantly at strife with each other. Right. Like that. And the more people are at strife with each other, the more they want to latch onto something to love and take care of them. So then she flips to the other side and then people are going, oh, I need someone to love and take care of me. And then they, they seek Azura for love. That's right? a cool take And then Azura shores up and is like, here, love me, love me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know. Different too. I've never heard. I've never heard like a uh, like a way of connecting that like that. And it, it's it's kind of ironic that just because we're, we're doing these alphabetically just for the sake yeah, of ease, that they're right it's, next it's to kind each of other. funny that we had one directly after the other, so you could kind of like really just show that that point so much that no, that's a, that's an interesting theory. I had never heard one yeah. like that. I don't know that it's accurate. Like sure, yeah, but, I, like but I don't know that I even agree with it fully. I just right, but it's a neat connection to find right. Like any academic pursuit of just like ideas, I think it's an idea worth throwing out there and just seeing how well it sticks up against a wall. Right. Right. Like, I think I, we should I think we should throw as much into it and just say, like, how well can we prove it out? And yeah. then we should throw as much against it and try to pull it off the wall and say, well, how much does how easy is it to make it fall down? Right. Right. Because and I can definitely maybe it works see, and maybe it doesn't. Right. I can definitely see the connection you're making. I still do assume that they are separate entities. It's not necessarily the ripping apart of the of Jigalag type of thing. But like you pointing this out, it's like, oh, that's actually that's that's a good catch that I, I've never really heard before. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 And, and Rob's tuning in. Uh, everything else. I still wouldn't use apathy to describe any danger. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not apathy towards everything. It's apathy towards a thing. It, it's well, like I, I'm it, like I'm apathetic towards uh, children's movies because I don't care about children. I don't hate them. Well, I don't yeah, love them. They're what, just not for me. So I'm apathetic towards them. But well, I love movies. You, you get to, where I'm going here point like I, I at least this is uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but like when, when you said apathy, it, like it, it wasn't Boethia being apathetic. It's the pawns in the game that she is playing. Right. She has apathy. It's toward apathy towards a the, thing. Like yes. the goal is war. The pieces she uses to get there are irrelevant. It's just right. that's that's correct. That's what you were implying. Right. Okay. To to yeah, to yeah. to two two mortals. It's it's the perspective from the mortals. Like yeah. from a mortal perspective, this one is love. This one is apathy. This one is to me is love this one to me is apathetic they unto right. themselves are definitely passionate about whatever it is they're doing 
Right. And but Boethius from my perspective, is passionate about the things that Boethius is passionate right, about. The, right. the goal is war. The goal, the goal is Absolutely. deception, things like that. Yes. That's that's the situation. Right. It's not like it's she's just depressed and going like, oh, I don't know if I'm even going to get up this morning. Right. right. That's yeah. Right, that's, right. that's not what you mean by. Uh, yeah. That That's OK. Right. Then that's that's what Absolutely. I Absolutely. And like I say, not necessarily agreeing there either. But again, I, I well, it's, I it's do worth agree considering. with that. But it's, it's worth it's, throwing it's around. Interesting, right? Like I said, yeah. it works surprisingly well when you phrased it like that. So it's like it's 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 a neat little theory there. Yeah. Anyway, it's worth worth throwing around. Seeing. Yeah, I'm glad. Seeing I'm if, glad you brought that up because I had never heard or considered something like that. So it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of neat. There's a there's a interesting little connection there, type of thing. Yeah. I wish I could remember what it was, but there's there's different kinds of opposites. There's opposites by uh, degree. There's opposites by. I don't. I, I should have looked this up before the show. So, like the opposite. Uh, like you can. Oh, I, I'm going to totally mess this up. <laughs> like like what is the opposite of one like the, uh, what is the opposite of the number one and negative negative one negative one right like yeah. okay so maybe it's negative one right that would be that would be an opposite of you know that's a that what is i don't know what the names for these anymore what is that a polar opposite that is that like uh, that's a negative like negative one positive one they they right, nullify yeah, each you're other referring to a charge or right. something like that right yeah. exactly but wouldn't also the opposite of one be zero because well, that, that's one, why I paused because I was right. like, well, what's the context for the it's number the context one? of like, the opposite? Right. <laughs> so that's that's the same kind of thing, like with with a concept like, right, there's inverse opposites, mirrors, right? There's different kinds of opposites. Sure. Right? So something like love can have opposites like love and hate. But both of those have a certain amount of emotion involved. So like complete opposite there's different kinds of opposites so that, that's just where i'm going with this it's just like what if if you play these things in certain ways like the opposite of, of zero might actually be like moleg ball if you take it sure. in a certain direction like depending upon, right? yeah what what part what aspect you're looking at right. the opposite because it could be something totally different than what you're focusing on but it could also still be its opposite Right. There's different kinds of opposites, depending on the perspective that you're looking at. It. Sure. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But that's just the idea. I just yeah, wanted to throw that out there. Theory. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. Of course, you guys can, you know, log into the Robots Radio Discord. Let us know your thoughts and, uh, you know, or send us some uh, some tweets or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just th- that's part of what's so fun about the lore is that you can play with all of these ideas because they're complex enough and interesting enough that you can kind of just throw this stuff around and just go, well, what if this works this way? Or what if this works this way? Who knows? And it changes over time from different cultures and different perspectives, just like get this real world mythology and history and all these kinds of things, because different yes. perspectives, different cultures, different humans have different perspectives, all sorts of things. So it makes it, it makes it really interesting. Um, there's a bunch more other stuff about Boethia and the different quests she has in different games, the different things she did different, during different eras. Oh, yeah. It's all all of that stuff. Literally everything well, we this podcast will never end. We can't cover all of it. But that's probably the most interesting bits, um, except for the whole 
tribunal Morrowind stuff. Like I mentioned before, we'll get into that in the future. When sure. We, when we'll cover that in probably an entire month worth of episodes. So anyway, that's what we got for Boethia. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Lotus, you got anything cool going on? I hear you've hit some sort of big number. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, apparently other show? we're hitting a milestone. Uh, so <laughs> Tales of Tamriel uh, will be having its 300th episode this weekend. Uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on my channel, Lotus of Doom on Twitch. Um, huge shout out to Zenimax uh, and the Elder Scrolls Online official who made us the um, highlight of March on their official website. So that was really cool. Uh, it was also very strange to be interviewed by the people that we asked to be on our shows to interview them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So the attached interview with uh, me and Ark is actually on the website as well. Um, and they've been kind of promoting us throughout that uh, to all of the myriad of new followers who either just found out about the show or whatever, uh, you know, glad glad to have you hopefully you like it and also you'll you'll see many a connection to this show uh if you don't already know about this show which a couple people didn't realize the connection already from the show that i was told about earlier so yeah um the connection will continue as both these shows i feel kind of feed into each other pretty well but uh yeah it should be a super fun time we've got some pretty fun plans for the episode with guests and um yeah whole bunch of snippets from the community and stuff like that so it should be a really fun podcast nice yeah i read the article earlier today that's awesome yeah that's really yeah, really cool no, it's, it's it's very thoughtful of them to do that for us so great greatly appreciated and uh yeah this is year eight i believe jeez of. man and someone asked when my first appearance was because again i i didn't necessarily start this show with you you started it and then i joined you when you yeah. invited me yeah um tails has had I believe we were trying to figure it out. I think there have been 17 hosts of tales. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that many. Yes. Uh, some people had had shorter stints than others. Um, and it's stuff like that. But, uh, somebody actually asked, they were like, when did, you know, when did everybody start? And arc was back at episode 25, which, wow. I, I believe it was 25, uh, where he said something nice about the Almeri dominion and nobody ever lets him live it down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like seven years ago yeah oh yeah it's and um wow and for me i was actually horrified to realize how long i've actually been hosting a podcast uh, as a co-host because it turned out i arrived at episode i believe it was 178 which was three years ago yeah. going on to year four no i believe it i believe it and i was yeah. like oh my god i've been doing that this long and i was quite pleased that my first episode in was called the cult of the guar so <laughs> perfect perfect yep yeah so, man. yeah so yeah get this been... get this your first episode with me was like 92 of this show okay and the last this episode will be 180 so wow closing in 100 episodes with you yeah well some of them are like the game episodes like skyrim with my mom true. that's true yeah oh the sky i was gonna say skyrim with your mom has so those, been some which is those count, they're kind of in between episodes so they still sure, get sure, numbers sure. We've, but, we've had a couple that we did not count like because they weren't really episodes type of thing and we've uh, had a couple unfortunately lost to the annals of the internet uh because of technical problems right. so but yeah no it's it's been uh it's, it's very it's kind of surreal to think how long this has kind of been like a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the company that 
makes the stuff that we enjoy playing really does a lot to kind of give back to us uh in in various situations which is really cool because yeah, i was great. gonna say you you even more so than just elder scrolls you deal with all the fallout stuff and everything like that so it's like you've seen even mm-hmm. outside just the elder scrolls sphere sphere a bit so it's it's definitely kind of neat yeah for, for a company that's as big as they are um yes. and has so much corporate stuff to jump through to approve stuff they yep. really do try i mean they they really they really try to put the community first and put content creators first. They, uh, and, and believe me, it takes it takes a lot of time to get stuff approved. They've got to jump through a lot of a lot of oh, stuff yeah. to do it. But they they make the effort, even though there's there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes to get stuff yep. like this to work. Um, so like good on them, because I think a lot of people don't realize that like. Yeah, they, there's stuff that has to get signed off by multiple people. PR has to like, you know, HR mm-hmm. has to like all these people have to have to say, yes, I approve this. This is good. Like, boom. because every time they do this stuff, they take a risk, you know, that like right. so, some somebody like me is going to say something dumb and that's yeah. their reputation on the line, you know, and right. Yeah. So, so it's but yeah, that's cool. uh, that's pretty much my plans for for the weekend. It's taken a decent amount <laughs> It's in a decent amount of more work than usual going into episode 300, just because we're trying to make it, you know, memorable for everybody. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a fun look back and everything like that. So very excited for this weekend. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, um, yeah, man, I'm 180. So we're like, we'll hit 200 this summer. Yeah, I was going to say so, this summer we'll be hitting 200. That's coming up soon, too. Man, that's Hell nuts. Yeah, 200. I know. Holy crap. Time, what happened to time? What happened? The pandemic is what happened to time. <laughs> <laughs> we all get shut into our homes and started making more podcasts. Um, uh, no, then good things happened because I was able to make this a career so I could focus more on more shows. So that's great. And I appreciate the community being here for me. Um, speaking of, uh, the Elder Scrolls lore, lore cast is not just the only show. Of course, we've got Fallout and the Fallout lore cast is coming up after this show. So we actually have an interview and somebody's uh, special guest uh, uh lawrence from the uh, modus files is going to join me on the fall orcast after the show live to talk about some uh some enclave stuff which is going to be awesome and the lord of the rings lorecast launched uh just two weeks ago already two episodes are out so you're welcome to go check that out if you're into the lord of the rings and you want to find out about the lore of that world and stuff I, i'm explaining everything from the very beginning and uh you know all the other shows on the network are over at robotsradio.net so lots of fun things that you can get and listen to there all of my shows all of the shows on the robots radio network all of our uh the shows that i mentor on the rocket club lots of great content go check it out at robotsradio.net and of course we're always looking for new shows to join us too so whether you've got a show and you're looking for a network to join or you want to start your own show and are looking for people to to be a part of and a community to be a part of and somebody to help you grow your show and knows what they're doing lots of fun stuff so go check it out but that's what we got for this week thank you for being here everybody we'll be back next week with the next of the daedric princes i believe it's what clavicus vile i think is probably the next one that sounds right sounds about right it's the next the c word yep we're going alphabetically so clavicus vile so not that c word that sounds bad all right we'll see you guys next week being clavicus (laughs) being clavicus bye everybody see you later Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.
Yeah, we almost earned that uh, mature rating for this episode. I love how the C word, like, that's how the episode ends with the C word being clavicus. <laughs> Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.